long time ago, there was a young kid about 13 years old, and he signed up for a special camp. At this special camp, they were going out to help kids, you know, that were less fortunate. Nice way of saying uh, handicapped kids, kids that had mental issues, mental retardation, autism, things like that. While he was away at this camp, turned out the camp was run by just one guy and, and one kid who volunteered. And for the entire weekend, for the, well, the Friday night, Saturday until Sunday morning, he was stuck on the top of a mountain with a child molester who was there to take care of all those kids. It came a time that young man began to question, what's the big deal about Easter anyway? Is it just a time for the preacher to put on a suit? (laughs) I brought a monster just so you'd make sure to know it was me. I missed my flip-flops right now. But is there something special about it or just, uh, you know, holiday, chocolate bunnies? About the time he was 17, 18 years old, his dad had been a pastor and uh, his dad decided at that time that he was leaving. He uh, decided that there was a woman at work that would make him happier. So he left. And at 17, 18 years old, that young man began to question, what was the purpose of this whole God thing anyway? We just come together and sing songs and play church, and what's the point? Don't get it. Don't understand it. So from that time on, he ran. If God went left, he went right. If God was south, he went north. Wherever he could go, he went to get away from him. The psalmist tells us that there's nowhere we can go from God's presence. No matter where we are, there he is. If I make my bed in hell, the scripture says, there he is with me. Been a time or two we made our beds in hell, hasn't there been? If I dwelt in the, the uttermost parts of the sea, the highest mountain, where can I hide from God? He's everywhere. But this fellow, he did the best he could to hide. Why? Because was, life was filled with examples of fallen man and messed up life and, I don't know, questions that we don't necessarily have answers to. It wasn't filled with power to be who God wants you to be. You see, that's what's special about Resurrection Day. That's what's special about this day some 2,000 years ago. Because arguably the greatest teacher of all time who taught the single most incredible teaching on morality, just if that's all you wanted to look at it as, on the Sermon on the Mount, proved on this day that he was more than that. He proved this day that 
not only would he give you words and life could be words and you could talk about what your relationship is or you could try to come to church and sing songs or you could do whatever it is you think you do that draws you closer to God. You can speak the words, but he says, I have power so you can live them. So you can live them. Digging through my son's stuff, uh, I don't know how long ago, came across that poem. Looking at, and he wrote this poem, and I, I don't have it for you, so I can't read it, and my memory's lousy, so I won't be able to tell you much about it, but this. In his poem, he was looking at life growing up in church. And what he noticed in his poem is how many fake people come who put on a mask for Sunday morning, who play the game, but in reality, there's no power for the new creation that Jesus promises. Now, if we find ourselves either there where that's what we see in church, or maybe we feel like that's about us, know this. Because of the resurrection, you have power to be more than you are. Jesus said, a new creation created in Christ Jesus. He finds us and takes us and calls us any way we are. I'm thankful for that. Because I don't want to be some other way. I want to be me. I don't want to be somebody else's version of me. Although sometimes my wife would like me to be somebody else's version of me. I want to be me. I want to be who I am. But I don't want to just be who I am. I want to be who I am in Christ. Who he has made me to be. That's, that's who I want to be. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I encourage you to open up to Matthew chapter 28. And we're going to look at Matthew 28 and talk a little bit about this idea of what is Easter really? What is it all about? What is the purpose? Why are we here? I know some of you right now are saying, because my mom made me. <laughs> or because my wife made me. But whatever the case... Listen, know this, beyond a shadow of a doubt, there's no such thing as a coincidence. The God of the universe has orchestrated this day for you to be in this place to hear these words. They're for you right now. So have ears to hear. Allow God's spirit to speak. In Matthew chapter 28, Beginning in verse 1, it says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary of Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. First thing that the scripture lays out for us in this story is he tells us there was a great earthquake. Now, that should remind us about something else. It should remind us about the chapter previous. The chapter previous is the crucifixion. So just turn the page to the left. In Matthew chapter 27, we'll pick it up about verse 50. Matthew 27, verse 50. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn from the top to the bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. 
I know that sounds like a little thing. Let me try to help you. The city of Jerusalem is built on one giant stone. Every building in Jerusalem is built out of stone. They didn't have wood. They have stone. They have stone everywhere. Everywhere you turn, there's a rock, another rock, stub your toe, and you'll fall on a rock. There are rocks every place. No shortage of rocks. The Bible takes the time to tell us when the earthquake, the rocks split in two. There's two things I notice about that. One, that that earthquake was probably something pretty fierce. The second thing, now they have twice as many rocks. See, you wanted proof in the Bible that rocks grow? I just give it to you. (laughs) Now look what the scripture goes on to say in verse 53. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went in, uh, I'm sorry, verse 52. And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding things, uh, or who were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. Now, a lot of people on that section of Scripture that talks about the graves opened, that they begin to have a problem there. One gospel mentions this event taking place, Matthew. The graves opened up. After Jesus rose, and many of the dead were seen walking around in Jerusalem. Well, they weren't dead anymore, and they weren't zombies. They were part of the first resurrection. The first resurrection began with Christ. And it ends when the, when the, the church is, is called home. So as we take a look at this resurrection, the, the beginning, the, the first fruits is what we see occurring. And I look at that and, and, you know, really I don't have any issue with it. I don't have any issue once I got past Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created from nothing the heavens and the earth. If you, if you can do that, the Lord raising people from the dead is not a big deal. In fact, if you look at Jesus' life, many times he's walking around and reaches over and touches Jairus' daughter and says, Talitha kumi. My little child rise, and she gets up. He goes to Lazarus, and he stands outside the tomb, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. What happened? He rose. A a funeral procession is coming out of Jerusalem. Jesus just walking by the casket, walks by, reaches up his hand, and touches it. And he comes to life again. I don't have a problem with when Jesus rose from the dead, the graves being open. What I want to understand is why is he telling us? Why is he telling us? Why does he take the time to say, many of the saints came up out of the grave and were walking around in Jerusalem? Well, you know that guy I was telling you about, when he's 18, one of the ways he decided to run away from the Lord was to join the Marine Corps. That's actually a pretty good way, by the way. Any Marines in the crowd? (laughs) He he went into the Marine Corps and 
And, uh, you know, figured that would be the end of things. Got into drinking, carousing, doing all the things. Some, not all, some Marines do. Running from God. And if you could go up to him at that time in his life and say, what's going on with you? This is what he would have told you. I'm dead inside. Ever been dead inside? Man, I'm just dead inside. I don't feel nothing. Life been one disappointment after another. It's got to be more to it than this. I don't have the power. I can't see it or know it. I'm dead inside. When I think about those words that he said, and I think about this scripture, I don't know, thoughts start to run through my mind. And the graves opened up. And the dead came to life again. See, that's the beauty of the resurrection. That's the beauty of what God's word lays out for us. That's the beauty of what we see in the pages of scripture. It's the power of God. We see the power of God. We see the power of God in the earthquake. We see the power of God as the angel throws that stone away. By the way, probably 10 of us, 10 men. You pick the 10 guys. I'll take them down to Jerusalem to that stone and we won't move it. Just so you, just so you know, the weight of that stone is not going anywhere. The power of God. The graves opened up and the dead came to life again. Power of God. In Romans chapter 4, verse 17, we are introduced to the power of God in the life of Abraham. Listen to what Paul would write in Romans 4 17. He said, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Do you hear that phrase? It's talking about Abraham being a father of many nations and that he was in the presence of him whom he believed, God. He's in God's presence and it describes God who gives life to the dead and calls those things that don't exist as though they did. See, God's not limited by our own plans. God's not limited by that thought that that young man had once that I'm dead inside. God's not even limited by the physical limitations that we see in the world. God has no limits, zero. And he is able to do abundantly beyond and above all you can ask or imagine. And he is able to speak into your life, life. To speak into your life that which does not exist as though it did. That's what the resurrection's all about. That's what coming to faith and trust in Jesus Christ is all about. Turn with me to Ephesians. From Matthew, you're going to turn to your right. 
The way you can remember Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians is Gentiles eat pork chops. If you remember that, you get to Galatians, you know Gentiles eat Ephesians. Come to Ephesians chapter 1. Let's, let's think about this idea. The dead came out of the graves. The women see the stone and the angel and all this stuff going on all around them. All this, this power everywhere. The power to change a life. The power to bring life from death. Ephesians 1.19 says, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe? According to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age which is to come. For He has put all things under His feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He's saying this power, what is the exceeding greatness of his power? It's the power that raised Christ from the dead. And why is that power important to us? Because that, folks, is the power of conversion. It takes the dead and makes them alive. That's the beauty of Resurrection Day. It takes the dead and makes them alive. It changes everything. Who was Mary of Magdalene that she would be the first one to come to the tomb of Jesus? Mary of Magdalene was a harlot. She was a prostitute who had living within her seven demons. Church tradition says she was the woman caught in the act of adultery brought to Jesus and cast at his feet. You remember the story, right? When he wrote down in the sand with his finger. The word in the Greek for write, kartagecho, it's the idea of to write charges. Whatever he wrote in his finger was enough for all the people to leave until the only one left with her was him. The only one who had a right to judge. God of the universe with a, with a person that most people would look at as a, being without value or worth. And he said, I don't condemn you. But he did more than that. The Bible tells us he cast out the demons. And he gave her new life. Later on. Jesus is at Simon's house, a Pharisee. And Simon the Pharisee is thinking about, you know, what an honor it is to have Jesus eating with him. And then he notices they would eat in those days, laying down on one, on one arm. They'd have like their elbow down, lounging, their feet behind them, the table in front of them. He's eating. And this woman comes in, and Simon the Pharisee recognized as this crazy prostitute lady. And she's just weeping. She's weeping. And as her tears fall, she's... On the ground behind Jesus where he's laying. Her tears land on his feet. And he, she begins to, to wipe off the, the, the tears with her hair. And notices the, the dirt on his feet. So with her tears she washes his feet. And Simon the Pharisee thinks. If Jesus knew what kind of person she is. He wouldn't let her touch him. And Jesus said. 
Simon, two guys owe the king a great sum of money. Both are forgiven. Which one loves the king more? Simon said, I figure the one who was forgiven the most. So Jesus said, this woman, whose sins are many, are forgiven, and she loves much. Simon, you don't think you have any sin, so you don't love at all. The power to change life. To make the dead live again. You don't think if you could talk to Mary Magdalene in those days and ask her, Mary, how do you feel about life? You don't think she'd say, I feel dead inside. But Jesus gave her life. Last one at the cross. Not the disciples who spent three years. It was the Marys. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is taken away by John before the end. Leaving behind Mary and Mary Magdala. First ones at the tomb. And the first one to whom Jesus is going to present himself. She loved much because he gave her new life. Listen, in Ephesians, there, turn one page to the right, to Ephesians chapter 2. And I want you to listen to this. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, just as others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up together. And he makes us to sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Listen, Paul would say in Philippians chapter 3. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That I might know Christ experientially, that I would understand Him, that I would come to see Him face to face, and the power of His resurrection, because it changes my life. We all start as something else. Everybody in this room. We all start as something else, but God, who is rich in His mercy and the love with which He has loved us, He has made us alive. That's the beauty of Resurrection Day. That's the beauty of the day when Christ rose from the dead. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says this, For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore we do not lose heart, 
Even though our outward man is perishing, the inward man is renewed day by day. Even though the outward man is perishing, even though the outward life is sideways, even though we may feel like we're lost control of everything, the scripture tells us by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, the inward man, the new man, the new creation is renewed day by day. He gets stronger. John the Baptist said it like this. He must increase. I must decrease. The outward man perishes, but the inward man is renewed. He's given new life. So when I can't go on, it's the power of God that sustains me. Not the power of anything else. That's the beauty of resurrection day. That's the beauty. He made us alive. So Matthew looks and he, and he tells us that story so that we can see the dead come to life in Christ. The dead come to life. The deadness in your heart, the deadness in your life, it comes, it changes in Christ. In Him. Not in religion, not in churchianity, in a relationship with the Almighty God. A relationship with Him. You and Him. It changes, and he, by the power of the resurrection, breathes new life into you. And he breathes new life into me. That's the beauty. But you know, that kid, he wouldn't listen. You ever had people not listen? He wouldn't listen. He wouldn't listen. Try to find happiness and all the other things that the world has to offer. Oh, I know, I'll, get, I'll be happy. I'll just uh, get my life squared away. I'll get married. That'll change everything, right? That work for you guys? I'll get married and be happy? <laughs> what well, did for me? I don't, I don't know about you guys. <laughs> if it didn't, we have tapes on the marriage retreat. You need to check them out. <clears throat> oh, he got married. He got married. But it wasn't very long before that was dead too. Marriage is dead. He's got a dead hole in his heart. So he tried to live his life putting other women in his bed. That'll fix it, right? It's not real good for the marriage. So that kind of fell apart. Kind of fell apart. And he's left all by himself in a trailer. Sitting in a trailer. Alone. Now no wife. No girlfriends. Nobody around. Sitting in the dark. And he said. I am dead inside. There's no life in this. And on top of it, I am dead and lonely. So I am dead and alone. Began to wonder about all those years ago when he ran away from the presence of God. But nonetheless, he continued on his track. 
he got kind of crazy with his idea that he would get his wife back somehow. So he went through the old phone records and he found her phone number. She called and he called it. Just so happened that she was there. So he began to talk to her. You ever heard of this before? I promise I'll change. Yeah, folks, if you say that, you're lying. You don't have the ability to change nothing. Only God can change. That's it. I'll change. I'll be good. So she came. She came back. And once again, marriage failed. Once again, he went south. Well, now she's pregnant. So once again, they work it out. We're, we're going to try. We're going to try again. Try number three or try number four. doesn't matter. Try number five. Everything was wrong. Everything was upside down. The baby was supposed to be born on April 9th. 1988. The Persian Gulf float was supposed to start the November before that. November before the Persian Gulf float started and he went off on a ship, he got called into the colonel's office. And in the colonel's office, the colonel told him, Son, I have a little news for you. I want you to know that we acknowledge the truth that this does not mean that you are an IV drug abuser or that you are homosexual. But you have popped positive for HIV. You're not going on the float. And the young man turned and went home to tell his wife, who's pregnant, and ready to give birth the news. And on the way... He thought, I am dead. Not just on the inside now. All around. And it's not enough for me to be dead. I'm going to kill everybody around me. Like a grenade going off. It don't just take one. It takes whoever's close. So he walked into that same trailer park. He had that conversation with himself. And he sat down on that same couch. And he said what he always says. I got good news and bad news. And she says what she always says. Give me the good news. I'm not going on the float. Wow, that's great. Yeah. What's the bad news? I have HIV. Well, that's not so good. Never forget the first words she said to me. I don't want my husband to die. That's probably not the words I would have said. (laughs) Probably not. But that's what she said. Didn't really have anywhere else to go. 
In case you're wondering, doctors don't have a lot of hope for stuff like that, so it was kind of a waste of time to go to them. So I went to church. And a preacher said, you can have new life in Christ Jesus. Now I remembered all that junk that happened in my life and all the people who let me down and all the stuff that didn't make no sense and all the excuses of why should I care. And then I thought, what if he does give new life? What if all the examples and the failures of my past and the things that I've looked at are examples of people who never really experienced the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in their life? The power to make you new. So I gave my life to him. What's left of it? Good? Bad? Or ugly, a lot more ugly than everything else. Back in Matthew chapter 28, listen to what the scripture says. Listen. In verse 3 it says, His countenance, the angel, this countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as the snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. When they saw the presence of this being who had spent eternity past in the presence of Almighty God and he glowed and he had this this light like lightning emanating from his body and the white raiments that he wore, it freaked them out so bad that they laid on the ground like dead men, passed out, done. You've been afraid before? I bet not. I bet not. Maybe a couple of guys couple of guys find yourself someplace you ought not to be, firefight, some craziness going on. It happens. These guys are so afraid, they pass out. That these are the toughest guys that the world had back then. They're on the ground when, when <clears throat> Mary's come up. Listen to what happens. <clears throat> but the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid 365 times at least the bible says that phrase do not be afraid then why do we spend so much time in fear do not be afraid ever you never have to be afraid again The power of the resurrection, you never have to be afraid. Listen, life is full of reasons to be afraid. But Jesus said, you never have to be afraid again. He is Almighty God. John 14, 27. Listen to Jesus' words. Words in red. He said this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not like the world gives do I give it unto you. So let not your hearts be troubled, neither be afraid. Ever had HIV? 
do not be afraid. The doctor tell you something you didn't want to hear? Do not be afraid. The power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in the life of the believer. The power that raised Jesus from the dead. Sometimes that's the power to heal. Sometimes that's the power to make you a witness when he doesn't. But whatever you need in Christ, you have. Whatever you need. The first thing the angel said, important. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid ever. What did the psalmist write in Psalm 23? You guys know the verse, right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What? I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He's there. What's the psalmist saying? Do not be afraid. Isaiah 41.10, just in case we've missed the point, begins with this phrase. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do not be afraid. It's the only thing we really fear is death. And we don't have to be afraid of death anymore because Jesus rose from the dead. There is no death. Death is a lie. Jesus is the truth. In him, we have everything that we need. Then he said, not only do not be afraid, what's he say next? Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. The living is not among the dead. He is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. Come see the place. It's all real. You know you can go there? Do you know you can walk on the stones that Jesus walked on? Do you know that you can see the evidence of where Pilate inscribes his name in the stone? The people the scripture talks about, the word of God talk about, real. They lived. Do you know there's a book out there with the writings of Pilate? Pilate wrote a couple of letters. Wrote a couple of letters to Caesar trying to explain what was going around, what was going on in the area. You know that history tells us that these things took place, that Jesus came, that he died, and that his people said he rose again and the grave was empty and they can't solve why? It's all real. It's all real. It's not some fabrication, not some story. It's not something we come to once a year to sing songs about and say, Yippee, let's go eat a chocolate bunny. It's real, man. It's living. It's powerful. And it changes your life. I know. I sat in a room full of other Marines that had been diagnosed with HIV and watched them die. One by one 
by one. I watched HIV turn into full-blown AIDS. I watched each of them get pneumonia. And I watched them die. We was all in the same room. We all went to the same counselors. We all hung out. We knew each other's stories. But I didn't get sick. Finally, they're ready to send me back to, to my unit and then out of the Marine Corps. And as they were sending me back to boot me, I asked them, you run one more test? And it came back negative. Huh. So they ran another test. They just about drained me of all the blood in my body. <laughs> Running tests. I still have the letter at home. This is how the Marine Corps writes letters. On this date, such and such date, you were diagnosed with HIV. On this date, we decided you don't have it. <laughs> have a nice day. Sent me back to my unit. You know, I do not even resemble the 17-year-old kid or the 13-year-old kid or the 20-year-old. I don't resemble them because the resurrection power of Jesus Christ has made me new. I'm not what I was and I'm not what I will be that is what Easter is all about it don't have nothing to do with the chocolate bunnies although I like the ears the best <laughs> it has everything to do with the power of Jesus Christ to save to make new come and see Go and tell. Come and see. Go and tell. You know, people can sit around and argue about the resurrection story. And we can argue about the scripture. And we can argue about the verses. Let me tell you what you can't argue with. I was dead. Now I'm alive. You tell me how that happened. I was dead on the inside. Now I'm alive. You tell me how that happened. I'll tell you. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ made me new. I just got one more scripture I want to share with you. I'll talk all day and you'll all miss Easter lunch. And yeah, and the bunnies. I don't want you to miss that. I want you guys to enjoy one another today, but please, please don't miss the message. I promise you, right now there are dead people in this room. And Jesus Christ died to make you alive. He rose to give you the power to be who he's calling you to be. To prove to us that it's all real and true. 
And we have the example of Mary of Magdalene, who no longer is a prostitute with seven demons in her, but she's a worshiper of Almighty God whose tears washed God's feet. Peter, who denied the Lord three times and became his spokesperson to bring the first 8,000 converts into the church. The same guy who opened his mouth and put his foot in it more times than anything else. His life's changed. John the Apostle was called uh, Sons of Thunder. You know, I told you guys they were part of the first motorcycle gang. He becomes the apostle of love. Didymus. Thomas Didymus. Thomas the twin. You remember doubting Thomas? He wasn't there, right? Didn't see Jesus. He said, unless I see his hands and I put my fingers in a hole in his side, I'm not going to believe. You remember him? Doubting Thomas. Everybody gives him grief. He went to India. Shared the gospel until people got so tired of hearing it, they filled him with spears. Every one of their lives radically changed. Thomas doesn't sound like a doubter now. John doesn't sound like a motorcycle gang enthusiast anymore. Peter doesn't have his feet in his mouth. Mary of Magdalene is changed. I am changed. That's what Jesus does in your life. Listen, listen. 1 Peter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away and is reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God, through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. God still changes lives. It's real. So in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you may be grieved with various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls." God changes lives. That's what the resurrection is about. He opened the graves and let the dead walk so that you would know He turns the dead to life again. Probably the second greatest joy in my life is holding my grandkids Born to the son they said would die of AIDS. 
all the world can do is confirm that I'm dead inside and I'm dead on the outside. But what Jesus does is he takes you and I who are dead in our trespasses in sin and he makes us alive. That is the story of Easter. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you that we can come before you. We thank you that we can remember you. Thank you, God, on this day. We acknowledge that you are the giver of life. God, that you call us to so much more than religion. Religion, I don't even like the word religion. You call us to a, a real, right relationship with the true and living God. That I can know you and the power of your resurrection in my life. You changed my life. You took the dead and you made them live. And you have never stopped doing it yet. It's my prayer this morning. If there's anybody here who is dead. As we close out the the service with the song and the prayer counselors go around the room. I want you to come up. Go to one of the prayer counselors. Come to the front of the church and receive salvation. It is free. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. The dead brought to life again. God, we ask that you go before us on this day and that we would hear the message of the angel. Do not be afraid. Come and see. Go and tell. Come and see the Lord Jesus. Taste and see that he is good. And go and tell. Tell someone about the Lord. Bring them to the opportunity that the dead may put on life. Let Jesus speak into their life and call that which does not exist as though it does. Giving life to the dead. That's what you do, God. It's what you've done. It's what you continue to do in our lives. And I pray this morning you would do it in our lives. Lord, as we close out in worship, I invite you by your spirit to move in the hearts and lives of your people. And we give you all Praise and glory for everything that is accomplished is done through you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.